This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. We will also explore threats to meaningful engagement in sport and movement culture practices and ask questions about what we can learn about the human condition through our involvement in sport. The guests are leading scholars in human and social sciences of sport who will share their explorations in a scholarly as well as a personal context. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. Today's episode is the second part of our explorations of meaning and value of physical education in young people's lives with Craig Dreyer. In the first part of the discussion, which I recommend you to check out, Craig challenged us to think about several key ideas that are prevalent in physical education discourse. For example, there were some critical discussions on whether fun is an essential element of good physical education, and how we should be critical of ideological statements such as sport and physical education as somewhat automatically supporting positive youth development. In today's episode, we move the discussion to the role of using apps and other ways of measuring our physical activity and how they might be shaping how we think and feel about movement or even how we find meaning in it. We explore Craig's project of developing and launching the MyMove app that aims to help practitioners to support young people in developing a physical activity habit and to provide the data for schools to monitor impact, review and celebrate their work in physical education. We will explore the phenomenon of tracking activities from various angles and the ways that Craig has sought to address some of the possible problems that might come with it. Craig Dreyer is the founder and director of the Center for Physical Education, Sport and Activity in the School of Education at Kingston University. The center's mission is to make physical education, sport and physical activity meaningful, relevant and wonderful for all young people by aligning excellent teaching, research and practice. Craig is also the founder of the MyMove app, which you can check out at the mymoveapp.com. I hope you enjoy today's episode. And yeah, I mean... For the second part of our discussion, I would be really curious to learn more about this uh, My Move app that you have yeah. developed. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you are an educator and you are drawing on critical pedagogy. And I think kind of health technology and, and different apps and whether they support people to move or not, this is quite contested area as well. So perhaps you can start telling me a bit about the journey behind that 
app, how it how it became to be, and what your thoughts were in in the process. Yeah, um, well, I guess the thoughts that well certainly that I have. I don't know if it's a generalization, but you know, I, I never think, oh my gosh, you know, this is an amazing thought. It is. It tends to start with a line of inquiry, and the line of inquiry was. I've been in this field 30 odd years. Everyone in this field, including myself, says that the, the driving forces to ensure young people are, well, we now go to James McAllister, that the young people are learning to use physical activity to support their life flourishing. But that might be just a, you know, in very plain English, it would be that people participate for a long time. Uh, the whys and that are associated with why they should participate we we've sort of touched upon um and to be honest i've i think i've arrived at a position at the moment where i i don't think the why's are very important i don't i don't think you know if we're talking about meaningful engagement then it's the individual who finds that meaning as we've touched upon so to be saying to young people you need to do this because it keeps you healthy i i think we probably shoot ourselves in the foot and I started questioning, well, one, we need to know if they are. And two, what would happen if you just drop the because and just say, here's physical activity. We're going to teach you about it. We're going to hopefully teach you to, to love it and really adopt it in your life. And you don't need a because. Like, you find the because. So um, with against that backdrop, we, we, I was then grappling, and well, I realized that I think the missing link is we don't actually know during the course of a, a, a young person's schooling. Uh, and um, I'm going to set this against the backdrop of schooling, although it's applicable outside of school. Um, but let's just say within a school, you've got a PE teachers doing all of this great work. They're working really hard to get kids turned on to physical activity. Yet we do not know if they are actually doing any physical activity outside of our ice shot, whether that be in a typically in a lesson. Some kids might go to some e extra stuff that the school puts on. But, you know, what are they doing their junior part run on a Saturday? Do any of them go to do martial art? Do, are they involved in organised informal sport? Do they ever go to a park space um, and uh, I don't know throw a frisbee around? Do they do they swim? We don't know that. And then you know drawing from well from commerce really is like if you you know we started off when we started this journey around my move asking the question you know if Apple didn't know how many computers they were selling and and let's face it that's their very straightforward goal. If they didn't know how many downloads of iTunes they would have, then they would be in a seriously weak position. Uh, in the world that we live in, just, you know, that information is very, very powerful. And one of the reasons it's powerful for me, one of the biggest drivers of getting my move uh, up and, and out is to provide the feedback loop for teachers. You know, which very much touches upon many of the things we've already covered in in part one, mainly around equity. Now, is every school using my move for equitable purposes? Right now, I couldn't tell you. But if I want, if as a teacher, I wanted to know who the beneficiaries of my program are, and is there parity? Let's just say gender parity. In other words, are are the girls that I teach? As uh, buying into activity as much as the boys, 
And, you know, as, as you know, pretty much every indicator, every metric of activity um, around the world shows that boys tend to be more active than girls. And it, it, so if, if I'm a teacher, one, I want to know that. If, if the data for the, I get from my move shows that the boys are more active, then I've got data and evidence to prompt a review process. And that review process might be signposting to, to learning opportunities. It might be conversations. It might be sitting down with some of the girls that we teach and ask how we can do things better, how we can make things more meaningful to them. So it prompts a review conversation. If, on the other hand, the data shows that the girls are as active or more active than the boys, then we've got a school and I've got a team who are bucking international trends around activity data. And by God, you know, we should really be able to celebrate that and we should really be able to shout very loud about that. And, you know, within that comes redefining what is success uh, and aligning success, maybe redefining wasn't the right word, it's aligning success to the stated aim. So uh, of both the teacher and for the young person. So I'm wary that listeners might not even know what my move is and I'm I'm talking about it. So like really briefly, it's, a, yeah, it's an app that we on. developed. Uh, a, uh, it, it was launched a year ago in September 2019. And it's a self-reporting activity tracker for young people. So the schools open the accounts like they do with any other piece of educational technology. They open accounts for the students. The students then very quickly and easily log the activity that they're doing in school and out of school. And it can cover any activity and they and it's very, very quick. There's no wearable tech. Um, it's it's very cheap. They just they just log it takes them two to three seconds. Um, as the person who founded it, I religiously um, log my activity on my move, and I can assure you it takes me two seconds. I log what I mm -hmm. did, how long I did it for, how it felt, which related to the earlier conversation, I think is the most important question. Um, and I log where I did it, what's the context. I've then got the opportunity to free write, and some schools who are using this are really emphasizing and uh, messaging to the kids, we're really interested to know how this activity session felt. Of course, during the pandemic, we've got loads of schools working remotely. So that conversation piece that I was referring to um, is is alive and kicking even, uh, even remotely. So teachers and students are, can stay connected. Teachers can actually message through the app as well. So a, mm -hmm. a young person, a user can free write any thoughts that they had about their experience and they can upload a photograph if they so wish and if the school permits so very quickly the school is getting all of that rich data as to how each and every uh, student is experiencing a range of physical activity um, experiences and activities so it's data rich and with that as i said they can celebrate and support and they can trigger conversations because for the first time uh, literally in a few clicks you can see all sorts of trends and patterns uh, uh, 
macro level as to what's going on with the school. Within a few clicks, you can compare different cohorts of kids to look at that parity. And then if you click, um, if you click through to the individual students, you can see their activity patterns, their reflections. That triggers conversations. And um, as we touched upon earlier, it's that social and emotional domain that my move is looking to support. So we're seeing the emotional responses and we're trying to, the idea is that the, the app triggers conversations between teacher and pupil, between teacher and parent. And those conversations can be absolutely celebratory with, where success equals any increase in activity. So um, it, success doesn't necessarily mean uh, roads leading to high performance sport. If, if young people are into high performance sport, great. I hope it's really positive and I hope they stay in it. But many young people are not. So if the school and if my move supports the journey, which we're seeing that it is uh, from inactive to slightly active or from slightly active to more active or sustaining activity rates or a young person being uh, supported when activity rates drop as they inevitably do at some stages through a school career um, and for adults to be able to say that's fine we understand we know what's going on you've got exams pressures or you've got this pressure and you can be kind to yourself but we're here to support you for when you're ready to pick that up and we can help you return to activity so this idea that physical activity should be a normal habitual and positive part of a young person's life, it seemed to me to be a very obvious gap that if that's the goal, we need to know if the young people are active and how they're finding activity. And that, that's why we started my move to, to get that evidence in a quick, easy and affordable way for, for, for schools and for school communities. Yeah, I, I think what I like about that approach is that when you say that you focus on the experience and and they can upload their pictures do you know yeah. if the students are actually doing that or have you got some feedback on whether they are engaging yeah so as i said we've been live for a year uh with there's about 180 schools using the app at the moment and uh, mm -hmm. we've just begun to do deeper dives into some of the stories that are coming through and you know we're not we're not numbers people. We're, you know, as, as, as I've been saying, we, we, we're from education. We're people people. And, and, you know, what we're really interested in is when we see trends and patterns in schools and we've seen some amazing stuff come through. And so what we're really interested in is, well, what's happening there? And we reach out to those schools and say, look, these figures look amazing. What can we learn from that? What can we disseminate from that? Um, and, so, uh, and so some schools really encourage young people to use the the, the photographs um, it's something mm -hmm. that we we're still learning um, and it's something that we we're learning how to uh, motivate the young people to use that very regularly um, what we tend to see work best is when there's a concerted effort maybe a two to four week period um, where we might say uh, where schools might say um, we are collating new displays um, and again now we're trying to disrupt a status quo 
where, and no, I, I'm very aware that there are some schools that have moved away from this, but typically, you know, the walls in and around PE and sporting schools are adorned with photographs of teams or very organised structured sports. Well, they, mm -hmm. at least they certainly are uh, in the UK. I think that's fair comment. Um, uh, if the goal is for each young person to learn to flourish, use physical activity to support them flourishing, then that's what we should be celebrating. So if a young person captures a selfie um, of, them, uh, of themselves, I don't know, skateboarding, then that should be, I think, well, I'd like to think that's success for, for physical education. Um, if a young person captures themselves in any activity, all activity is good activity. So one, we can disrupt our messaging. We can have much more equitable messaging around what success is. Um, and we can celebrate that. So we're beginning to see schools use uh, photography, as I said, for displays. They're also using it in their communications. Lots of schools will communicate weekly. Again, those weekly communications are almost always, in my experience, around school teams and results. So now we can say, uh, you know, well done to the girls in year eight whose activity rates have gone up by 12% this week. Here's some photographs showing how much they've been enjoying their activity. And the key word there is their activity. And indeed, that's the that's the thinking behind the title of the app. It's my move. It belongs to the young person. It's their movement. It's their way of making meaning in their movement environment. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's early days to really answer your question on the impact of the photographs, but we're, we're really keen to see how schools are, are, are using that. And uh, we're beginning to see some really interesting uses of those images. Yeah, I... For me, kind of one of the critical questions that we have to think about is when you quantify your activity, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. quite easily then becomes the goal. I'm just reflecting on kind of, you know, runners use a lot mm -hmm. of like GPS watches and all that. And we discussed that with Emily Ryle in the previous mm -hmm. podcast. Yeah, I love that conversation. It was great. If you have run like 9.6 kilometers and, and your watch is showing that you are missing 400 meters to get to yeah. your goal of 10K, yeah. then you have to be running around the block to finish it up. So it's your uh, kind of your technology is taking control over your activity instead and you're not using that for your ends anymore. So yeah. I guess there is always that danger that they just start quantifying their activity to get more and more without experiencing yeah. that many so meaningful in itself yeah 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 that's a really interesting point and one that we've given loads of thought to um and you know i can't agree more you know I, i've been wearing garmin for many years and gosh you know back when i started wearing it and was really enthusiastic about it if the battery went mid-run it was like the run is invalid you know it, it, it literally hasn't happened because it's not downloaded i think there's mm -hmm. serious dangers to losing uh, human the, the human side of of uh, and the joy of physical activity when it's dictated by numbers and you know we talk at length internally and to people who w want to listen around why my move has avoided wearable tech 
And we were absolutely adamant that this is not a, an app that has been born in a physiology lab. I've got huge respect for physiologists if they stay and work in physiology. I, I wouldn't dream of going into a physiology lab. My, my career and whatever knowledge I have is around how do we create positive, motivating, appropriate environments for young people to engage in physical activity. And as, as I said earlier, that, that's about what they feel. And it's not about treating the human body as if it's some sort of functioning machine. Um, I think for the very small number of people who are uh, whose life is shaped by high-performance endurance sport, yeah, absolutely understand that. If it, effectively you are a machine, you need to be fueled, rested, and you need to perform and train. Get that. But that's so far divorced from the way the vast majority of people engage in physical activity that indeed, you know, there's big questions around the ethics and the, the uh, how healthy that high-performance lifestyle is. Um, but that's that's not that's not my lane, and I, I wouldn't want to go there. So, you know, we, we we're about capturing the experience. Now, the the other data that is universally shaping um, young people and physical activity, and the story, the narrative around it, uh, and I think it's very telling where it comes from, is the World Health Organization's target of sixty minutes per child a day, um, and here that that's pushed through in the UK. It's a message that is promoted from the office of the chief medical officer. So again, we've got we've got a discourse which is being shaped by scientific medicinal um, uh, expertise. Um, that, and um, I, I, I think um, that we're in danger of creating a mismatch from of expectation and reality. Certainly, the data from around 80,000 young people who are using MyMove shows that a tiny, tiny percentage of them get anywhere close to or achieve 60 minutes a day of physical activity. Now, I am mm -hmm. fully aware that there's conversations around what constitutes physical activity and indeed what they are logging. But the vast majority of young people, that simply doesn't seem to be a reality in their lives. So where does that come from? I can't help but think and analyse that and say, well, that comes from a deficit starting place, that we've got to set a threshold for young people to aspire to. Uh, it's a one-size-fits-all threshold. Again, there's not many educators who would advocate one-size-fits-all solution to any problem that we encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. And I wonder... And I, I can't point to any research. Maybe you can, Nora. But I wonder what the impact of setting the bar at this this uh, reasonably lofty position is on the lived reality of young people. Um, they're always the, the the inevitable message is you're falling short of what's required. The fact that a young person might have to overcome certain challenges and obstacles or muster up courage to go to a, uh, an activity session that they've never been to before or they're worried about what people might make of them or what they look like 
where does that where where do we get where do we say to that young person you know what what you did there was absolutely fantastic you showed such courage to go there oh but by the way it was only 20 minutes so you're still 40 minutes short <laughs> it, it just seems to me to be <laughs> such the well just the wrong way around yeah and i think physical activity has become such a moral duty in our society as well the discussion yeah. we had about active aging with adam evans in the in the podcast as well in terms of like successful aging you have to stay active you have to be physically active you have to have an active social life all these ideas about what is success and i i it's such a shame that physical activity is another duty that in addition to doing everything else you also have to gather 60 minutes or otherwise you have failed yeah. so yeah, yeah. It, it's very sad yeah it's also a very narrow definition of what what health is uh you know we we love it uh, and draw upon Mikhail Quinstead's work a, a, a lot and you know his approach to what what is health or the questions around how this is all driven by a, a notion of health which is about disease prevention um, rather than in being and in living and in connecting um, it it just seems uh, yeah that, that there's a much more nourishing conversation to be had around health and yeah, so yeah, my question is that, I mean, you made it clear that it's not just about collecting physical activity and, and getting this 60 minutes or whatever mm -hmm. is the guideline. And but it's more some that the app is something that the teacher can use to have discussions with the students and, and explore together what is meaningful in movement as well I, I guess that would be one of dimensions so I'm I'm wondering what what would be some of the things that the physical education teachers can do in in yeah. their work with the students that they can keep it from not getting to just yeah. counting minutes yeah yeah um so well a part of that is in the design of the app that we only have um, minutes uh, uh, go up in at the moment they go up in 15 minutes increments so it's, it's we're not even looking at really precise minute counting for that reason so you, uh, 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 someone using it can't put in 17 and a half minutes it's either 15 minutes or it's 30 minutes because we're trying to downplay that aspect of it as far as the application a couple of things uh, right at the beginning of this conversation I, I was talking about partnership and how uh, academics and researchers and teacher educators and teachers when we have our best results we all work together and in in my capacity as a uh, an app developer I, I would include that we we need to work with we we are genuinely intrigued with how people are using the app well we think we created something that is powerful that provides powerful information that enables teachers to do their jobs better but also creates a supportive ecosystem albeit digitally in the first place uh, i'm not sure you can divorce digital from in person um, a, a digital ecosystem that's supportive and the early indications after the first year is that when used uh, well and enthusiastically by a school community 
the app actually shows uh, seems to be reporting uh, increases, gradual increases in activity over time. So when we've dug deeper and said to schools, "What are you doing? This this data looks great. The the average activity or number of sessions that the students are conducting and logging is is creeping up." Um, a, a lot of it actually is not particularly is not rocket science. Um, they by talking and initiating a conversation and, and having uh, a range of teachers talking about physical activity, all of a sudden it is a much more prominent conversation in the school. By communicating successes, it becomes a much more prominent thing in a school. Um, and then we've got you know some schools are quite creative in how they try to initiate or or how they keep. Um, the app relevant some schools are beginning to look at pairing young people so that they've got this peer support structure going on um, and I think you know again come, coming from um, well some behavioral science and psychology you know the nudge theorists are, are huge advocates that it doesn't depend on the message as much as the messenger so if you've got a 12 year old kid the person that they think is really cool is often a 13 or 14 year old young person rather than necessarily it being the teacher. So if so we've seen some schools have my move ambassadors or, um, or delegate responsibilities to encourage activity and then young people to log their activity. So like we, we've blown away by some of the innovation that schools are, are showing in the way that they're, they're using my move, and we're trying to stay very connected. I think you know our, our fear is that we we don't stay connected. We're not able to stay connected. So we've got like a insight group that has uh, has formed and will be meeting regularly. So you know every upgrade and update, we want feedback on that. But that's pretty standard for an app developer. But we really want the backstories and. Uh, and work it the other way. We want teachers to tell us what they want from the app, and we can build that into the development. And so that two-way dialogue has been professionally has been really, uh, really positive and really exciting. And do you have the resources to do some research on on young people's experience of the app as well? Or I mean, you are getting this feedback all the time, but I guess it would be just quite interesting to have some research and some yeah to understand it better how the how yeah. it's taken yeah uh, absolutely and you know we're very aware that we've got even in our relative infancy after one year you know we've got a live stream of activity data that's coming in from 80,000 young people in uh 22 countries and um um, a lot of the activity research, and you know, we're working with uh, Aaron Beetle in in Kentucky, and you know he's been looking at this field for for a while, and you know he keeps saying to us, you know, the data that you're getting is is like blows away most research um, data collecting exercises. So uh-huh. we're very aware that you know very soon we're going to have well. We're going to be very, very data rich, and the, the insights and the learnings that are available from that. And so, to answer your question, it really depends. Like, do we have the resources for it? Um, it depends what 
we call resources for research. So we're very interested to work with research partners. Um, those conversations have uh, have started. Uh, Aaron did some some uh, initial number crunching. Uh, as I say, that's that's not really our thing. He, he was much better at it than we could be. Um, and 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 you know the stories that 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 showed were were really positive. But yeah, going forward, it's certainly a big part of where we want to go because you know we we want to know and show that um, diarising, uh, having a digital journal of activity uh, is motivating for young people. They're, they're the messages that we are hearing from young people in schools that have done case studies on um, uh, young people who are using the app very regularly. Um, and it, it's fascinating to see why. At the moment, we don't have any rewards built into the app. We drew upon self-determination theory and we went very pure, uh, purely after intrinsic motivation mm-hmm. um, in, in app use. Uh, we've been reviewing that a, a, a bit and we'll probably move away a little bit from that because it seems that some young people need to go through extrinsic rewards to arrive at that that intrinsic motive intrinsically motivated place so we would try that and see what what happens with that so there's there's lots of stuff that we want to do with the app we draw a lot on nudge theory we draw a lot on we're going we're going to build in things like scheduling because we we research seems to have uh, show that if people plan something, they're much more likely to do it. Um, and ultimately, we never want to deviate from um, the original rationale, which is to create something that supports and sustained physical activity. And hopefully, if the experience is good, that then becomes sustained, meaningful physical activity. Um, and so that's the goal. So that, that notion of staying connected to both research partners and uh, and school users is uh, yeah really really important to us. Yeah, I I was curious how this when you talked about intrinsic motivation and then kind of bringing in this element that at the beginning it might be extrinsic motivation that is kind of taking you to do that. How does it show then in how you are changing the apps or are you doing some changes in terms of how it works? Yeah, well, funny enough, on uh, in three days' time, we, we're releasing the first upgrade and we've got, um, oh, dozens. It will be like every two weeks or so, there'll be um, the backlog of work that we've, uh, of development ideas that we've collected ourselves and that, has, that schools have fed back to us through our first year. Uh, we've logged, stored them all up, and now production uh, with the development team is is full steam ahead. So, um, yeah, there's a there's a lot to there's a lot of changes that we've been making. Um, but it's really interesting what we think extrinsic motivation is. Um, I, my my academic and bias instinct, I suppose, is that it should be intrinsically very fulfilling. But we're also seeing, again, and it goes back and reinforces what I was saying earlier about being socially connected, that we're seeing a lot of young people report in there via the app that they really enjoy activity because of who they carried out the activity with. And we're also hearing teachers talk about 
offering validation to an activity by just acknowledging that it's it's happened so we've we've heard of teachers on a monday morning uh, when it's in person um, who are able to log on to my move and see what their class have done and the class can come in on a monday morning and the conversation is around hey i saw you went uh, horse riding or you you went riding or cycling or skating or whatever it was uh, yesterday how was it and again that that level of social connectivity seems to be a really strong driver and teachers are reporting how positive that is both for the teacher and for the young person and we we're absolutely delighted that we've created some created something that enables those conversations to take place if it wasn't for that i don't know whether the, whether the conversation would happen and it goes back again to physical activity being a normal habitual part of everyone's life and if it is you know what every so often we talk about it and and if it's a conversation it normalizes it and even the young people who are hearing that conversation just might just might think you know what that's, that's a normal thing to do especially if the the young person who's talking is someone that they they look up to or respect or thinks is cool or what you know whatever mm-hmm. it is so we're hoping we have that and maybe that's that's idealistic but that, that's where we hope this can go and how it can impact yeah i think this is a completely disconnected point but we are still lifting physical ed- activity to a special status that you have to log mm. it to an app when you do that like i don't log every time i drink coffee <laughs> yeah. so i don't have an app for that so yeah. so in some ways we are still lifting that to kind of a special status that you want to yeah i think that's very really fair point um really fair point and i'm not sure i've got a very coherent answer to that there are apps that will count how many glasses of water you have i'm not sure how many people well Actually, I, I do. I, I know some of them are very, very popular. And yes, I, w- I would be concerned if every aspect of normal behaviour um, w- was logged on an app. Mm. But, but I'm more concerned that uh, something that I feel passionately should be considered a part of normal behaviour is um, not. Uh, um, to to get to that being normal, we need knowledge about it. Now, you know, the people who are selling you coffee, and it might be a bit of a strained analogy, but people can make up their own mind, they know whether you're buying coffee or not. And if they if you weren't buying coffee, they would change their messaging and even perhaps the taste of the coffee. Um, if we and I know it is is you know, I'm not saying PE teachers are in the commercial world. But if we learn from commerce, we need to know if young people are consuming physical activity because I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say we are in the business of selling physical activity, quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's an absolute parallel, but it's probably the best answer I, I've got to your coffee question. <laughs> yeah, it just came to my mind. But I, I know that, yeah. There are apps for quantifying anything and everything you want in your life. Yeah. yeah. I think a nice 
roundup would be that when we talk about meaningful movement experiences and, and meaning in physical education and physical activity, what are kind of your thoughts in terms of your app combined with certain type of pedagogical approach? What would be kind of how how does the app help uh, physical yeah. educators in terms of trying to facilitate meaningful experiences? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the, the the crux and the the, the key question. Um, so the the first thing is is going back to this this notion that you know what do we need to know about if we're going to do our job very well? Yeah, we need to know about the activities, but we also need to know about the young people. We need to know about them as individuals, and we then need to know the meeting point of activity in young person. How how are they receiving that? To use the analogy that we just touched upon, how are they consuming that? Is the experience positive and fulfilling? So the app is trying to close that feedback loop um, and provide teachers with information the sort of which they've never had before, uh, unless they worked on a um, on a, on a a research program and a lot of a lot of research programs will be inaccessible or they'll be short-lived so we've designed the app for longitudinal uh, knowledge uh, acquisition so that we can see the uh, the long-term journey the activity journey of a young person as they grow um, we've got a lot of work to do to ensure that the app stays relevant to the young person because of course, if the justification that I just gave was very much from the teacher's perspective and for the teachers and the school's benefit, albeit in that's into in, inextricably linked to the benefit for the young person, it, they shouldn't be seen as separate. But the motivation to keep logging over uh, three, four, five, six years, you know, we we know that we need to enable the app to grow with the young person. We take inspiration from an area that's widely condemned in young people's lives. We take inspiration from social media as to, you know, why is it that young people are using Instagram so much, so often, and for such a long period of time? And then our question was, how can we use uh, the ethical strategies that they use? Um, how can we learn from them to engage students so that they can then be more active that's that's always the end goal so at first going back to your question and sorry for going around the houses um the the so what question you've got this information so what what are you going to do with it at, at first we started off thinking we would then have packages of online Webinars, we would connect teachers, we would have a whole range of professional development opportunities. Um, we've reviewed that recently simply because there are uh, th there's so many very good uh, professional development providers who are operating in this space. And there's a huge amount, you know, I think there's an unprecedented amount of research, publications, people on doctorate de uh, degrees 
you know, I, I think it's a lot, the numbers are, are completely unprecedented. So we thought, well, you know what, we, we're going to do what we do. And, you know, if somebody, as I mentioned before, is seeing gender uh, inequality in their provision, you know, there's a lot of really good providers who would support uh, teachers and departments review their practice to arrive at uh, uh, girl-friendly physical activity, physical education, sport, um, and, and, and work with uh, uh, the, the teachers in arriving at a better place. So we've reined back from that, and we're very much about we're going to provide you with the information that both triggers conversations and sustains conversations that allows you to take review readings um, and, and loads of other things that, that you can do with that, that data. So if one of the questions is, you know, we're seeing that this cohort of young people are not, are not buying into, oh, I don't know off the top of my head, uh, games teaching and they're not having positive uh, experiences in uh, playing hockey, then maybe it's something to do with the pedagogical approach that we take and to go completely full circle, you know, maybe if we embrace play, we would see a much stronger, more positive emotional response. And therefore, we can try it. And why we try it, we constantly got the readings coming back because we've only got to log into our MyMove dashboard and we can see at a glance the students, and it might be the case study students, emotional response to hockey or we're going to initiate a new activity because we want to capture more, more I don't know, uh, we're losing, let's just stick with girls, so we, we're going to introduce Taekwondo because we've done a case study with, uh, we've listened to student voice about how they want to experience PE. Taekwondo has come up, we've, we've sourced Taekwondo resources, coaches, whatever it is, and then over the next three months, we've got constant readings to see how, those, that cohort of students are responding to Taekwondo. And more in, or as importantly, or the next step, is that having any impact on their physical activity away from that Taekwondo PE lesson. So if we're looking at the effective response, if they feel better within their physical self, then maybe, and it's a very interesting uh, area to observe, that maybe they will then feel better about going to a Zumba class or going to a spin class or just going swimming with their friends. Um, so that's the sort of data responses or the, the, the thought processes that we, th we think, we hope, we want to see from the, from the use of the app. Yeah, I have to say I very much look forward to hearing more about your findings and, and the responses. So. This has been a very exciting talk, and and I and I really enjoyed hearing about this work. And uh, yeah, best of luck with the app. And I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. And um, thank you for taking the time. And anyone else who who takes the time to listen is much appreciated. It's been uh, really good reading your work lately, Nora. And likewise, all all the best with with uh, the, the much needed and, and uh, wonderful work that you're, you're doing in research of field of, of sport and, and PE, it's, it's great. So do keep it up. 
Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.